Stirring the pot with Drip Kitchen. So we're just going to do a little trigger warning. We're definitely going to be touching on some topics that might trigger people, you know, mental health and um, depression. I feel like even addiction with the um, topics. So, you know, if anyone is struggling right now and feels like that they wouldn't be able to get through that and hear it, then maybe Skip this sit this one out. <laughs> We got plenty of other episodes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Welcome back to episode 11. Woohoo. <laughs> Guys. This is a special one. Yeah. We have someone actually with us in person. This is our first in-person interview that we've done. Oh, so hopefully it's a little bit better than all of our Zoom meeting ones. So <laughs> thanks for being patient with us less, for those. Less technical difficulties. <laughs> So we should introduce her. Yeah, probably. That's a good. Who do we have? Yes, <laughs> <guess. laughs> by the answers. <laughs> we have, and please correct me if I'm saying your last name wrong. Abby Latrenta. Perfect. Oh my god. Awesome. <laughs> yes, and we have Abby on here because we are talking about mental health. So, what is your title? I currently, so I got my master's degree in social work with a clinical focus, and. I have my license right now. My first license is I'm a licensed master social worker. Um, the license is in Connecticut. It's kind of like a liability thing, I think. Um, I'm actually in the process of working toward my next license, which is called uh, licensed clinical social worker. And those are the big guys that you can like have your own practice. Um, I'm pretty sure they can um, really fight to have people admitted against their will. So it's like, a, it's a big one. Um, but yeah, right now I have my license, just master social worker. Cool. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> <Me> either. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, I can honestly say, and 100%, um, it doesn't feel like I have that because I'm like a hot mess all the time. And like when I tell people about it, they're like, wow, that's big. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying. So how do we three know someone as smart as Abby? Drifting. So. <laughs> but, like, but yeah, let's start off with drifting, I guess, um, because that's how we know Abby. Let's say what got you into drifting? So um, I, I would say it was probably years are like a blur now. I would say it's like four years ago. Um, I have a really good friend, Bobby G. A lot of people know him. Um, we were good friends. And um, I was friends with Bobby before he started drifting back when he was taking pictures. And I told him I was going to talk about him. So it's okay. <laughs> um, and he was getting his BMW Vert ready to go drifting. And um, funny story, he put his coilovers in. And we were all there hanging out that night. It was the day before his first event. And we went and something was like clunking when he was putting the coils in. And so he actually had me run down the street with him driving with his hood open to figure out what was clunking. <laughs> um, and after that, and then the next day we went to the first drift event of his. And ever since then, I was like, this is so cool. And then, you know, we kept going to his events. I kept going to his events and then went in the car with him eventually and was hooked on it and then a drift kitchen event actually he let me use his s13 to, was that your first event ever? that was my first event ever 
That's so cool. <laughs> yep. So he let me use his S13. Um, and it was the last event of the year. It was like the November event. And I think it was 2018. 18 or 9? 18. Wasn't it? I think 2018. Was it 18? Was our... 18 was our November event. November. It was 11. not in the rain, though. Yeah, November. Okay. Why did we only have one in 2018? Yeah, we, we, had two. God. we had two, baby. <laughs> we were going to just do one. And then... Oh, yeah, because 2020 was kind of like a shit. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, it was 18. And then I bought my Z that winter and then yeah just really <laughs> after I had the Z and the event started it was I was a little bit obsessed <laughs> um do you think drifting has improved your mental health personally I would say yes but with that I have to say the first year of drifting I kind of and I say this as a joke but it's true I sold my soul to drifting <laughs> I definitely put aside things that sometimes shouldn't have been put aside. I mean, I ripped all my nails off. Like I stopped getting my hair done. I was like just obsessed with drifting. And I think the thing to comment on is I was equally as obsessed with getting good. So I think that's a big point because I definitely was having a blast the entire time, but I was like, I need see time. I need see time. I need see time. And it got to the point, like, I look back on that summer and I, my favorite thing in the world is going to the beach. And I didn't go to the beach that summer. Like, I was just obsessed with getting sea time and I had a blast doing it. But now I've definitely learned, like, take the vacation that's not drifting every once in a while. Find, like, a balance. Yeah. And the money. I was working, like, geez, 14-hour days, Monday through Friday, to afford drifting on Saturday and Sunday. (laughs) <laughs> and modifying your car in the process. <laughs> Abby's also an extremely good example of someone who has a lot of seat time, though, and prioritize seat time because yeah. you got good quick. Yeah. And I like, also didn't just like I built my car as I got the seat time. Like yeah. I, you didn't rush into like high horsepower yeah. or anything. Or like my anything. my first event, the Z was stock, and I was on clapped out springs. <laughs> <laughs> And stayed on them for a bit, for sure. It, it showed. I saw you at Club Loose at the Drift Kitchen event. And yeah, I think you got a shout out that day too. All, okay, there were a handful of girls that all were at our first event. Yeah. And it was their yeah. first event ever. And, like, and they all, got, it was so yeah, cool to see them all get shout outs. I think all the Connecticut girls yeah. actually got a shout out. It was like you, Sherry's, yeah. Bethany. Mm-hmm. And I was like. I mean, I was even there just because I drive a lot of Club Loose events. And just seeing the girls and, like, just seeing how, like, I love Drift Kitchen events because it's, like, when you go to non-Drift Kitchen events, it's a lot of guys. So, I think Mm -hmm. sometimes it gets away from you. But being at an all-girls event and knowing that every person on that track is just ripping it. And we all know each other. It's, like, it's not weird. Like, you're literally seeing, like, a family reunion at every Drift Kitchen event. It's, like, (laughs) hey, you can walk up to anybody in the group, and it's not weird. Even if it's your first time meeting them. I feel like even when we met some of the Texas girls in Tennessee, it was, like, hey. We've been following you online forever. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's, like, kind of like we knew each other, but. I'm still on cloud nine from that event. I was the one who spiraled into a depression the next really? week. Really? Like it'll never get better than this. Uh, yeah, pretty much. No, seriously, it was just like all the adrenaline had left because we'd been working. So, you know, Taylor and I were working so hard all summer for all these events and everything, and like the merch and stuff. And then, like after the event was over, I was just like, "Oh my 
God, the monotony of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even on a weekend of sitting on the couch going back to work is like the monotony of life. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> it's like, oh, do I have to do this? Like, <laughs> there has to be a better way. I, <laughs> I'm like the opposite of Abby. I'm like, I don't want to work hard at all, but I would like a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Where does that leave us? Um, oh, who asked the last question? I did. Huh. Are you doing anything new to the Z this year? Yes. So um, the Z is currently getting caged, which is very exciting. I hear a lot of good things about the way your car feels after a cage. Um, that's the biggest one. I have an oil cooler going on and an upgraded radiator um, and then harnesses, obviously. I think, I mean, I've spent a lot of time swinging around in the car, so I'm pretty excited to be harnessed in. But other than that, yeah, that's it. Getting more comfortable with using my hydro is my thing, my main one. Maybe I saw it wrong, but did you have the like heart-shaped gussets in your little Yo, so I wanted hearts, um, but they're was stars. stars. It yeah. was stars. I knew yeah. it was like hearts or stars. Yeah. I was like, I saw that and I was like, oh yeah, and the color of the cage is fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, no, the color of the stars are fucking guys. gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, no, my amazing boyfriend is putting my cage in and got it painted it's gorgeous it's oh. it like doesn't feel like real yet because it's still like tack welded in so i can't wait for it to be like in and the touch of paint and then yeah, like, that's look cool. drive the car i gotta ask about the paint was that spray paint or is that like like actual like paint paint it's paint um one of his friends um his name's devo he works out of west hartford he did the cage he painted it nils he pretty much built the cage in the car and tack welded it and then took it out and then took the cage to paint and so there's a lot of like parts of the cage where he's going to be welding it in that are not painted so we have paint and like the super fancy brush oh, that like you guys are like brushing it yeah I have to Damn. brush in the like because when he welds it it would obviously yeah, ruin the paint wanna... so I have to go in and brush paint all this like welding spots but yeah no it's it looks really good I'm oh, excited yeah. It's like hard for me to envision it still because like I just want to drive the car. I'm like, just let me drive my car, but it's okay. So did we ask, uh, do you think drifting can actually become an addiction for people? We didn't really ask no. that. Do you think that, that like maybe the adrenaline, the serotonin? Maybe it could, right? Not technically addicting, but to jump into that hundred percent. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, dude, like, it's not physically people, addicting, right? People oh, put themselves in, like, serious debt over it and, like, can't stop. Yeah, that's true. And gambling's addicting, so if that counts. Then. I mean, addiction is, by definition, something that you are addicted to or and including an activity. And I think that if other parts of your life are being neg negatively affected affected by it then that's an addiction it's yeah. you know and it definitely can be if you're and I'm guilty of this if you're building debt to build your drift car mm -hmm. <laughs> then it 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 might be damn so you shouldn't ignore your <laughs> family yeah. and life yeah. to go drifting you gotta do other things which I feel like I mean I'm guilt even guilty of. We're all guilty of. I don't even drift and I ignore my family for it. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. 
I mean, I feel like that with like anything is I feel like sometimes when you find an outlet that makes you feel good, you prioritize that and it seems can seem selfish, but I feel like you have to be selfish sometimes. Yeah, it's true. You gotta do stuff for you. Um, so what made you want to get into the field of mental health though? So I, for since I can remember, have been like obsessed with problem solving when it comes to people and like you know, why you are the way you are. And I'm, I grew up with, you know, my dad is very bipolar. So we grew up with a lot of chaos in the house. Um, and I think since then, I've just had a level of empathy for people and even families or friends that have to deal with the ripple effect of, you know, mental illness. So I started going, I mean, I took like a college psychology class in high school and it was just so cool. And I was never very good at anything. <laughs> like, I really was never good at anything. That's hard to believe. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I really wasn't, though. I mean, I was actually homeschooled until high school. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, like, wouldn't have taken you for a homeschool yeah, kid. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, you've adapted pretty well. Yeah, that's what everyone says. So, like, I never had anything that I was, like, passionate about, I guess. Um, so then... I started college actually to go to school to be nur a nurse in a psychiatric ward and realized I am absolutely disgusted by mm -hmm. anything bodily yeah. <laughs> and can't do bio. So I switched over to social work because it's very broad. Um, and then I got my bachelor's and I got my master's. And luckily when I was getting my bachelor's, I was able to get an internship to kind of confirm that I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I just will say the thing that like kept me to like really like go forward was obviously money. Like <laughs> you don't make much money with just a bachelor's in that field, but the resiliency of the people that I've met is so inspiring and like just learning stories will never get old. And that's literally my job is just to learn stories and try to figure out how to help them. Like, you are so much nicer than me. Yeah, it takes a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's I just, I mean, it's it's hard though because you have to be very empathetic. I've had clients tell me things that in my personal life I would never, I would really judge them for. But when mm -hmm. you learn the backgrounds and the reasons that they are the way they are, they're doing the things that they're doing, it's really like inspirational that they're even alive. So it's a lot of empathy. Obviously, you went to school for it. So how did you manage to, like, balance your life? I was not a great example of that because I don't know what it is, but I was – I also got into drifting the hardest years of school. So it was that, too. Um, I would say I repressed a lot of myself. I kind of put myself and my issues and my personal – things to the side which was kind of easy to do you know if I was feeling bad one day it was easy to be like oh well I have an assignment so that's what I have to focus on um I didn't balance it very well I mean I was very lucky that the job that I was doing I sat at a computer for most of the day so I double dipped with school and work for sure um it's a really like interesting thing because I can say now that I'm out of school a lot of the things that I repressed for the last five years internally are coming up and it's almost more stressful being out of school because I think I use school as a coping mechanism for sure.
but it's like it's easy when you have something to focus all your time on to kind of use it and then when you don't have it anymore it's like well who am I what do I do now that's how I feel when I finish like a Netflix series <laughs> like, which I also relate to like, who am I like <laughs> what now <laughs> yeah I mean when you focus your time all your time into something and you don't have it it's like okay yeah what next? I wish I was like <laughs> Need to be productive or I'll die. <laughs> it definitely has its cons. Though. I wish, yeah. <laughs> That's true. It definitely has its cons. Let's see. Um, what are some tips people can go, you know, do day to day to help stay positive, do you think? So this is going to sound like so, we've all heard this before, but in my years of school, it's really just the basics, like, positive affirmations, journaling, meditating. I wish I had something more juicy. Like I really do, but this is what we teach. Like even my clients, I would say diet and exercise has a huge impact on mental health. You don't think what you put in your, I mean, a lot of people think that their diet wouldn't affect them, but I mean, it, it's, it's interesting how much, and I notice this too, if I'm eating like crap, how I feel. Yeah, eat really, like, eat like yeah. shit, feel like shit kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff now where like there's a lot of apps, like meditation apps that you can just even just taking like five minutes a day to kind of disconnect. Um, really, the basics are like, like I said, journaling, affirmations. Get off social media, please, for the love of God. Get off social media. <laughs> Yeah, that was the next question. What are your thoughts around social media and mental health? Yeah, it's social media, I think, is great in so many ways because we're all so connected. Like, how many cool girls do we know because of social media? Mm -hmm. But also, how much are you on social media comparing yourself? So it's like, there has to be a balance. And I think it's about how you use it, you know? And I feel like people forget that a lot of people are just posting like what they want you to see like maybe not even the bad things just the good things oh I can vouch for that a hundred percent yeah I take 30 photos and post one (laughs) you post the highlight yeah yeah I'm like you're welcome yeah (laughs) but yeah no it's it's true I I would say I'm like not addicted to it though I would say more so like because I feel like I know a lot more people that have screen time than I do like I'm fairly good at it Mm. I, I, I go on at work to escape from work but when I'm home sometimes I really don't look at it because I'm like I'm where I want to be I'm gonna get to take a shower but like how many times do you like look at it put it down and then two seconds later You're right you yeah. go back to like right. it becomes an impulse to check my stories and shit and then you're like, oh, I just did that. Like, what am I doing? And that's, that's actually something that I wanted to ask you about because you were talking about like journaling, meditating and all the positive things that you can do to help, you know, stay positive. How can somebody do that when they're already like in a place where it's so hard to do anything? Right. And I think that's where like really putting your phone down comes in as hard as it is. I am big on um, having a paper journal. Like don't go on your phone and write notes when you're journaling because someone's going to text you or Instagram's going to send you a notification and you're going to be like, you're going to click off your thoughts. Um, You can go to literally like five below or even dollar store sometimes and get journals that have writing prompts. And I always suggest that for people that don't know what to journal about. Cause like, even if I tried to journal, I'd be like, what the fuck do I write about? Or you can go online and print out um, writing prompts. That's literally what they are and just go off that. But I would say, yeah, definitely like 
paper journals or if you if you have goals or want to make lists do it on paper don't do it on your phone because it's just really hard it's a slippery slope between you know i'm journaling on my phone to get away from the negatives and then getting sucked back into it really easily yeah oh well first are there any places like for people that have no medical insurance or feel that it's too expensive to go see a therapist or anywhere that they can like any outlets for them yeah um definitely you can always call 211. There's always resources on um, if you just dial 211. Um, there's also, and this is like the other side of social media, there's a lot of apps now where you can actually talk to therapists or they say it's a therapist. It might be an automated thing, but sometimes it doesn't matter who you're talking to. You just need to vent. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a few apps. I don't know any of them off the top of my head, but you can definitely go into the app store and just type in like therapy or um, something about talking but um so I'd say 211 211 can help with mental health um being homeless if you're homeless they can give you resources if you don't know where to go um even for mental health they can give you a lot of resources you can also tell them I don't have insurance and they will give you more resources than I have for that um or if you are currently in a crisis and you are scared of even yourself just call 911. You know, have police come. It sounds scary, but it's the gut truth is have the cops come talk to them. They're trained more than you think that they are in putting, you know, and and mental health. I mean, if it's that much of an emergency to where you think you might be a risk to yourself, it's always good to just call 911. But 211 is really great too, because they can, they'll lead you in that direction if they think you need to go there. And that's universal, like no matter what state. Yep. Two one one is universal, just like nine one one is. Mm-hmm. Um, I to be completely transparent, I've never called two one one, so I don't know exactly what it sounds like the minute mm-hmm. you call. But I know that's what you know. But I always give resources to. You tell like someone what you need, and they send you to where you need to be. So, two one one is always what I say. Yeah, I've never even heard of that before. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. Call two one one. If I mean Google it. Um, it's just kind of. I think it's like the. The lesser of 911. Yeah, because I feel like it's hard. I feel like some people don't want to either burden their friends or like mm-hmm. burden their family. And I don't know, maybe you feel like they don't have anyone to talk to. And sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger. You know, if you've been telling your friends the same issue for six years, you really don't feel like you can talk to them anymore. And for some agencies, actually, you have to call 211 to get in. They have to refer you. Um, and that's a lot, a lot of like the homeless stuff we deal with is call 211 and they set you up and they refer you to a housing. And I think it's the same with like any mental health resources, but yeah, 211 definitely. And, and Google's great too. Like Google's good and bad, but Google, like there's so many like hotlines, um, and definitely a search. We'll, We'll find them. There was also this like free website that I have used before. It was, um, I think it's like a European website, but yeah. it's like bliss. It's called bliss therapy and it's like a six week cognitive behavioral mm-hmm, therapy mm-hmm. Um, that you can take and you pretty much do like different prompts and stuff like that. So that was really helpful too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of resources on the internet that are free. It's just for some people really hard to get motivated to even, you know, get to the point of doing that. Yeah. That's your question. You asked it. That was a good one. 
Oh, we had someone, um, I don't have the message in front of me, but pretty much along the lines ask of what we think of the glorification of like being sad or like the trendiness of sad being this, sad that or like sad. something happens and I'm gonna go, you know, it's funny to be hurt myself. Yeah, like, self-deprecating. Yeah. Can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> That's a like really interesting and big topic in a lot of ways because it's almost like it's trendy to be depressed. Depressed. It's yeah. trendy to be anxious. It's trendy to have anxiety. And it, I feel like people almost feel left out if they aren't depressed at this point because we glorify it so much. Mm-hmm. But like, what do you think for those that really, like, I'm not saying that those people don't feel that way. No. But yeah. like the people that do and don't talk about it, do you think it's be- like maybe because it's so... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or is that the word? Well, that's where I was going to go with it is it's, I mean, I'll be completely transparent. I've been diagnosed with depression and also PTSD. So sometimes it's very like, it almost puts you in the shadows more when you see people talking so lightly about it because, and these people might, they might feel it, you know, they might, that might be the way that they cope is just by, you know, publicly glorifying it. And, and that might be how they cope. But I think sometimes for people that it's really hard to talk about hearing, you know, anyone just say like, oh, yeah, like I'm, so, that makes me so anxious or so depressed, just so lightly, it's really hard. So it's just one of those things where, you know, it's, it's different for everyone, but I think there's definitely kind of, a it's a trend, like an insensitivity to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think that there is also a good thing about being able to joke about it if, you know, just because it's like, we don't want it to be too heavy, but Mm -hmm. I think for some people it's, you know, it's, it's gotta be hard to see people just like, if, for example, not that there's anything wrong with it, but like the sad boy trend, Oh yeah. you know, it's like the glorification, glorification of being sad. And it's, it's just like, it's not glorious. It's not. You know, some people really suffer, would, you know, give anything to not be sad. And, but, you know, like I said, it, it, the people who, who do that could be, you know, in a place where they don't feel comfortable talking about it in a serious manner, because if they did, it would be way too hard. So that's why I could never say like, oh, they're not really sad because they probably are, but it's just, you know, their way of coping. So it's one, it's another one of those like tread lightly, you know? I know this wasn't like a question that was on there, but like for somebody who might feel that way, like how, like what would be the best way to like get into therapy if you're not like, if you're scared to try it? Um, I would definitely say like, it's really hard. And if I feel like we are such a society of telling our everyone everything about ourselves. And if going to therapy is scary, don't make the appointment and don't tell anyone. Don't tell your friends don't tell your family. If, if it's easier for you to do something like that and the stigma around it is what is stopping you from doing it, it's your business. Like you don't have to, to tell anyone. And like, and to bring it back to the apps, if you don't want to go see a therapist, download an app or there's a lot of um, phone call therapy now, actually. It's, it's huge, especially with the pandemic. You don't have to leave your house. <laughs> you can open your laptop or make a phone call and, and talk to a, a licensed therapist. Then over the phone might make you feel a little more comfortable if you're not, mm-hmm. you know, comfortable with the face-to-face. Or... Yeah. And if you're so deep down into it to where you can't get out of bed, you can make the phone call from bed. 
even better. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, going to therapy is hard and making taking an hour and a half out of every single week is seriously hard. <laughs> be me laying on my stomach. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, I mean, if that's what it takes, do it. No, I'm all for it. But I mean, to kind of segue into something else is there's such a glorification about anxiety and depression. And that's all that we talk about when there is so much more to mental health and mental illness and nobody talks about it. I mean, there's schizophrenia and bipolar and, you know, manic depression and borderline personality disorder. And those are still seen as scary. You know, it's like, oh, they have schizophrenia. They're the, you know, the crazy person on the street talking to themselves, doing drugs. When in reality, I can say from talking to people that a lot of us know there's a lot more of that seriousness in the day-to-day. So I also think that the glorification of just I'm sad or I have depression and anxiety is also kind of shitty for the people that have like the other mental health issues that people are still scared of. I mean, it's it's an interesting dynamic that we've gone into because we still institutionalize people that have, you know, some of the bigger ones and glorify specific ones and I feel like it's hard for people to get the help that they need or even the diagnosis Mm -hmm. it's also the scariness of a diagnosis a big thing that we run into is people thinking that once they're diagnosed with a label that's who they are so that's another scary thing it's like if you go to therapy you're gonna get diagnosed because for insurance purposes unfortunately which is a fun fact that to charge insurance they have to diagnose you at least in my um, nonprofit that I work for, mm-hmm. um, when you do an intake, so the minute you sit down and work with and talk to your intake, and then they decide where you should go, they have to put a diagnosis down for insurance purposes. Luckily, none of us have insurance. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I want to find out that hard. So truth, if you like, don't have insurance, call two one one. If you had to categorize me, did <laughs> you say I'm a Gemini with yeah. Aquarius moon? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, so what are your thoughts on the stigma of men and mental health? I feel like that's a good segue because uh, sad boy stickers. And yeah. Stuff like that. And that's why I brought the sad boy thing up is because I feel like a lot of the sad boy jokers are really sad boys. <laughs> and I just like, I feel so bad. Um, this is a statistic, a trigger warning, but um the suicide rate of men is much higher than women because when men commit suicide, they do it in a much more lethal way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it, you know, I feel like women feel more comfortable coming forward and talking about mental health. And um, so for example, like when women, and this is statistics, when women, you know, do get to the point and try to commit suicide, they do it with where it's like, you take pills or they, you know, cut themselves or something along those lines, whereas men do things like shooting themselves or jumping out in front of a train or jumping out on a, off a bridge. So when they get to that point, it's a much more end-all be-all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why more men are successful mm-hmm. in committing suicide. And I think that it's it's hard to hear that, but I think it's important because I mean, we, we still, you know, men don't, I mean, there's that macho man, right? It's like, you're, 
you got to be this, you got to be that. You can't show emotion. You can't cry. Like, yeah, they grow up their whole lives. All boys don't cry or like, right. Yeah. yeah. And as much as we'd love to pretend that's in the past, it's not. I mean, we still do. I mean, I even like, I'll even catch myself sometimes, you know, but having had a lot of guy friends and who, who suffer from, you know, issues themselves, it's, it's really sad. Like it's a big one that makes me really sad because it's, it's true. I mean, men just, even just the body image of men, Mm -hmm. you know, they're supposed to be like super ripped and tall and yeah, I was going to say, you don't see a lot of, like, heavy set males represented in modeling yeah. either. So, I mean, they yeah. don't really have that whole, like, we're women. It's like, mm-hmm. she doesn't have stretch marks. And it's like, okay, we'll do it. And yeah. then they do it. Whereas guys, it's just like they're used to seeing this, like, Abercrombie and Fitch looking guy. I think we are getting to that place with women where we're seeing a lot of more plus size models, which is amazing. Because, yeah. you know, body positivity all day. But I don't think we're there with men. No. You're still expected to be, like a jack six pack six yeah. foot four like yeah cut and like i'll even hear guys like talking about their height like it's like a personality trait it's like <laughs> that's great but like you know it's you i hope you love yourself for more than that <laughs> i feel like somehow we managed to put that in their heads for some reason and we do i did like, like doing is like i don't know I, chat's only like five eight i think and i'm like that's cool oh everyone's tall yeah me, like so yeah <laughs> <laughs> fifth graders taller than Alexis <laughs> but yeah no men and mental health are and I see this with my clients is they're much more guarded they're angry they're they show their emotion with aggression and not sadness and I think it's because they've never been given the platform to be sad you know you know boys fight it out mm-hmm. boys you know they go rip on their dirt bike or, you know, go to the skate park and ride their bike and get their anger out. Whereas girls are like, come here, like, we'll let, just cry it out. It's okay. It's very different. We'll communicate. Yeah. <laughs> Try to think where we are. Did you I never switched the questions. We asked uh, mental health. Um. Do you think there's like a common problem or a common trait amongst people who have like bipolar, schizophrenia, eating disorders, um, you know, the the big ones, I guess? Um, I would, you know, there is no one trait, but I would say just from the work that I've done, because that's the population I work for and with is um, persistent severe mental illness. And it's a lot of the time it's trauma. It's, mm-hmm. So the new thinking of mental health is we all are susceptible to anything. It's just some people go through th- certain things that trigger these illnesses. Um, it's called epigenetics. We won't get into it. I could go. I'm like a nerd. I could go <laughs> on and on. But, you know, certain things that happen to people can trigger these things um, to happen. Like there's, for example, um, a lot of women that have borderline personality disorder have a sexual assault history and it's needing to be in control because you lose that. Um, and that's not to say anyone who deals with that is going to end up with that, but it's just the, a lot of the things, the big ones is there's some sort of neglect or trauma that kind of, you know, made it a lot easier for them to fall into it. And there's also some people that just, it's um, brain chemicals, you know, some of them are genetic, um, bipolar is genetic. Um, a lot of people who um, have 
someone who's bipolar in their family are more susceptible to it. Um, so I think it really just depends person to person, but I know most of the clients I've worked with have insane trauma histories and are the most resilient people ever, but now have to live with, you know, a disease that it's, it's really impactful for them. A lot of trauma, <laughs> unfortunately. So it's like a full recovery where possible. Is full recovery possible from something like that? I mean, I'm sure there's different circumstances. Yeah, but. there's definitely certain um, certain circumstances, and I think it depends on who you ask, but I would say no. I think it's you learn to live, to cope and learn and accept whatever it is. I think a big thing in mental health is learning to just accept it. It's hard. It's like, you know, not to compare it to, but it's like a medical diagnosis. The, the hardest thing about it is, is just accepting it. And, and learning how to live with it. I think when it's in your brain, it's harder because it's like, nothing's wrong with me. Why am I like this? So I would say you don't recover, but you learn coping skills. You learn what works for you. You get on medication that works for you. You go to the right therapist and um, you learn what triggers you. I think it's a big one too. Life's really triggering. So I think when you learn what triggers you, and learn your body, learn when you get triggered before it happens or when it happens and how to control it. I'd say that's, so I don't think you recover, but I think you just learn a lot about yourself and your surroundings. So it's like a big part at the end of the day, more so like acceptance, like accepting. Yeah, it's accepting and then, you know, accepting it to the point where you can go see the psychiatrist, you can go see the therapist, you can go get the help you need without, you know, cause if you have, something a mental illness and you don't get help it's really hard to help yourself you know how would somebody know like when is a point to ask for help i think it would you know i don't i i don't think it's ever a bad idea to talk to a friend and i think the one of the big things is feeling like you can't relate to anyone um but trust me you can there's a lot of people with the same, you know, whatever your issue may be. But I would say even just calling like 211 or calling it anywhere or just talking to a friend. I mean, if you have a friend you trust, you can say like, I don't know why I'm feeling like this. And I think sometimes hearing someone paraphrase what you say back to you is really helpful too. Like, oh, you sound like you're really sad to me and it's a lot more sad than I've ever felt. So while it's okay, I think that it might be, you know, and hold your friends accountable, you know, if you see them falling and then, you know, say, hey, like, I've noticed sometimes it's hard to realize that you're down. And then when you do realize that you're like at rock bottom and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> so uh, what are your thoughts on self-medication? So self-medication, in my opinion, is a very slippery slope. Mm -hmm one that people usually slip to the bottom of. <laughs> I, I think that like, you know, I mean, I'm even, I'll be transparent. Like I have a lot of like social anxiety. So like when I'm in a social setting, like if it's like acceptable, like I like having a drink or two just because mm -hmm. it makes me feel better in that situation. Relaxed, yeah but I could live without it. It, mm -hmm. it really is one of those things where like, if you can't live without it, 
just make sure it's a healthy self-medication, you know? Um, I mean, can we bring them in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 So to bring up (laughs) marijuana, like I think I I do think that, you know, once it's legalized in whatever state you live in, I think, or if you actually, there are a few uh, mental health diagnoses that you can get prescribed medical marijuana for. Tell me more. PTSD, (laughs) actually. If you are diagnosed with PTSD, you can apply for a medical card. And what are the other ones? Um, I think that might be it right now, which is surprising. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you'd have to go for something for like pain. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I forget to eat. <laughs> I don't think that was is uh, one yet. That's that's crazy. Glaucoma. I think that might be one. Yeah, yeah. My eyes hurt. That's you would think for like an eating disorder or something like you, that. You think would help. So. Yeah, you would think it would. Yeah, I mean I know PTSD is the only one I know for a fact, but I think the future of medical and mental health is a lot to do with cannabis, whether it's CBD or CBD and THC. Insomnia. I mean, God, I mean, I know that, you know, THC and CBD can help with insomnia a lot and and body and chronic body pain. Mm -hmm. You know, if I struggle with, you know, chronic back pain and then I wake up in the middle of the night and my thoughts get going and I'm like well now I'm up because of pain but I can't go back to sleep because I'm anxious so it's like yeah you know I think that you know in the states that it's legal that people are probably a lot a lot happier yeah. <laughs> like Colorado but as far as like self-medication every addict not, I don't want to say every addict but many addicts are an addict because they self-medicated for something else. Mm-hmm. And whenever someone says like, oh, my friend's addicted to, you know, cocaine or heroin, I'm like, well, what's their diagnosis? Because it's usually never just they're an addict. Mm-hmm. You can definitely have an addictive personality and be addicted to many things throughout your life, whatever it is that day. But a lot of like the really like deep, like they found, they've ruined their own life with drugs. They had an issue that made them turn to the drugs so and alcohol too jesus alcohol is so normalized but Mm -hmm. so addicting addictive and and so destructive destructive would you say alcohol is like a big problem amongst a lot of your patients yeah i mean i work with super severe so like heroin's more of a problem but alcohol is so normalized i was gonna say it's so normal that you know you just go to the store and get beer so why not yeah self-medicate socially acceptable it's like but i can't smoke weed and drive a safe 55 on the highway (laughs) i mean i know someone who doesn't drink just because they never wanted to try drinking and people are like such a hackling about it like we'll hackle at parties they're like we'll just have a drink have a drink like why are we like that? Like, why do people do that? The judging. Like, it has absolutely yeah. nothing to do. It's alcohol is the, I'm, I think caffeine's the number one drug, but alcohol is like number two. I mean, alcohol, I think that's a slippery slope. <laughs> if you have depression, alcohol makes it worse. Yeah. In the moment, it's not, but it, the it's days a, after. It's a downer. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Is marijuana down there? It's it is a depressant, but is I, it? Yeah, but I think at Have the same time. Have you ever tried time, to be mad and high? <laughs> you've seen me. You've seen me mad and high. Yeah, it sucks, and it t- t- does take a lot, though. I think that's where you get into like the indica and sativas, and mm. if you're anxious, like don't go and smoke a sativa because that's just gonna make your mind go fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and, like, if you are anxious, smoke a sativa, and it's gonna like chill you out. And isn't there like some sort of link between schizophrenia and like cannabis can actually like trigger those episodes too i'm not like too um educated on that but i can only imagine i have looked it up i have definitely looked into that um because it's technically like a hallucinogen technically so i think i want to say it was something i don't know if it was the thc like high amounts like when we smoke weed like the weed now has a lot of thc and like Mm -hmm. our bodies we shouldn't even be smoking that much thc um but i think it's something to do with the psychoactive one of the psychoactive drugs in it and that's not to say it's going to give you schizophrenia i mm -hmm. think it's maybe goes back to the trauma Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know i think it's like you have something and you can have you can do things that enhance it so it's probably good to like talk to a doctor first always doing that yeah and like on that too like talk to a doctor no matter what like back to like the eating and like food and mental health like there's a lot of multivitamins that can improve mental health like d and b i mean i take that especially in the winter um but talk to your doctor i always have to say you know or do research but um no vitamins can be like really helpful like good vitamins can be really if you're low on iron you can be depressed i mean there's a lot so i feel like there's like I feel like that's going to come out wrong. I don't want to say like, you're not really depressed, but like, you're not giving yourself a shot, right? If you're not exercising, eating healthy, like trying, yeah, you're like, just making it worse. I feel like right? that's going to come out wrong. I'm yeah. not trying to say you're not. It's not wrong. Right. No, it's just that some people that are really depressed can't. Yeah. It's, it's like, they can't, like, they just can't. Yeah. Like they can, I mean, I, from personal experience, I have every tool in the book and there's days I just can't. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I really should be going to the gym but I'm gonna lay in bed and just be sad like it's you physically can't sometimes and I think you know those are the people that like the the phone and the media and like the online stuff is really helpful for because you can literally like be in your bed like I can't get up and you know talking to someone but no it it, you definitely it is another thing too is you have to want it Mm -hmm. yourself you know no one else can help or fix you or you know, you, you have to do a little bit. You have to make you a little effort. Ball yeah. yeah. I mean, we, um, we do a thing that's like stages of change. And if, if a client doesn't want to change themselves, we discharge them. That's it. You know, yeah. you, we can't help you if you don't, no one can help you, you know, if you don't really want, you can give them resources, mm-hmm. you know, but it is, if you are just stumping yourself and stumping yourself, then no one can help you. It's not like a, your car broke and someone comes and helps you and fixes it. It's not, you know, you can't just talk to someone who knows how to do what they're doing and fix it. Um, what is something we can do as friends or as family members to help understand someone who may be suffering from a mental health issue? Yeah, so I would say just like be there, but don't be in their face. And I say that as like, it's kind of like, it sounds funny, but like, I feel like sometimes people who are struggling, I feel like sometimes there's a shock factor that we give people unintentionally when we hear 
you know, really sad stories or hear about how much they struggle. And sometimes the shock factor from a friend can be like actually really traumatizing. Um, you know, there's such a pressure on people who feel like they're different. So if you, if someone comes to you and says like, you know, I'm really upset. Sometimes I think about hurting myself and you respond like, oh my God, oh my God, like you're going to hurt yourself. That's traumatizing. Cause it's like, oh my God, even my friend thinks I'm like shocking. So I would say, <laughs> you know, just be some, be there, but don't pressure. Don't say, this is what you need to do. Oh my God, you need to go see a therapist and then throw a bunch of resources in their face. Like I, my favorite term ever is something I saw on Facebook one day and it's before someone starts to vent to you, ask if they just need someone to listen or if they need advice. Cause those two things are very different. You know, if I have a super good friend who has severe depression and I think that they have come to me more than anyone else because I take it very lightly, which sounds weird, but I think some people don't want the attention. And if you already don't even want to come out of your bedroom, you don't want someone to be like, oh my God, you know? And so I always say like, if someone's coming to you, ask if they need advice or if they just need someone to listen. Cause sometimes I'll even be talking to my friends and they'll give me advice. I'm like, I don't need advice. I just need you to just be quiet and listen to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. I think that would be good to clear it up too, because sometimes you might have not like an expectation mm-hmm. of what you want someone to say, but like, yeah. Yeah. And it's true. Like if you come to somebody and they respond in a way that you weren't expecting, that can be really hard, you know? And I think that like, there's definitely like people that you go to advice for and people you go to just to listen. I gotta give it to Taylor. Taylor's pretty good at shit like that. Like Taylor does this thing where she'll like tell you what she thinks, but then she'll go, but I'll support you regardless. Right. And it's like so funny. And I think that's important too. If you give someone advice, you know, we're all self-motivating. So yeah, I agree. Taylor is really good like that. Yeah. Even no, I'm just like gonna it. take my own advice. She's just a comfortable person to be around. <laughs> I can completely disregard your advice and be like, whatever. She said she'll still be my friend, so <laughs> I don't, I don't see a problem with doing what I want. <laughs> I'm even gonna apologize. <laughs> like, go say sorry. Yeah. No. <laughs> you tell me to support me regardless of whatever I decided to do. As long as you're not hurting anybody. No. Nope. <laughs> right. And that's kind of true. Unless you're hurting them for the right reasons. <laughs> True. Yeah. <I> <laughs> oh, man. I think that's pretty much all the yeah, actual all. questions. Oh, no. Um, what are your goals for this year? So this year, um, career-wise, I'm, I've had a few interviews um, for, like, master's-level jobs. I'm going to a second interview right now for a therapist working in one of the Connecticut state prisons, working with men with opioid disorder. Um, and so like, oh, it's fun. I'd be working in a prison and the lady in the interview was like, you know, it's not one of those jobs where you can just open a window or let the sun in. Like you'll be work- like your office is in the prison. I'm like, cool. Like that's like, that's my favorite population. So that's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like men, men, like violent men offenders are actually like you're like they're my favorite. Yeah, I've worked with a lot of wow. Yeah, it's really weird. And they didn't make it on my top five. But. Yeah, no, women are actually really hard to work with. Really? In and out of the mental health field. Uh-huh. <laughs> they really it's just different. And men are violent and angry and aggressive, but they let it go faster. 
even when you work with and this isn't for all this isn't like this yeah. is or isn't but from my personal experience like I've worked with both men and women um, and men are just very like they're scarier whereas mm-hmm. women you know sometimes you say things wrong and they hold on to that and you don't realize it men are just like you know fuck you yeah. you little shit it's yeah. like oh okay it's okay got that out of the way. <laughs> so yeah no that would be a really cool job it's very dangerous you know like the CEO stand outside of the room and you know you're alone with um, the guys but I'm um, it sound that's actually like my dream job so I'm really excited to be interviewing for that so that's my number one goal I hope I get that um drifting wise I would say like um learning to doing more tandems but chasing I do a lot of lead runs because I'm fairly consistent so everyone wants to chase but I need to chase and drifting with girls I have not tandem with a girl yet and I'm hoping to do a lot of lady tandems this year that is just gonna be so bad I'll probably be crying like while I'm tandeming like (laughs) so excited you're not to drive I know I she will drive I do believe Alexis will be you, I'll put you in. You can drive my car. Like, I just want to see you drive. <laughs> I will never say no to driving yeah. someone else's car. Yeah. Well, same. <laughs> <laughs> you too. No, I'd say that's my biggest goal is just driving with girls. I mean, oh. driving with the guys has been great, but I just want to drive with my friends. Like, Bethany with the Blue Z, like, that is, like, my number one because we have the same driving style and the same setup. So, I think we could do some really rad tandems together. So, I'd say that's, like, my number one. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. What drift kitchen events are you coming to? I, <laughs> oh my I'm going oh my to. No, no, I've already been. <laughs> definitely. Does that say all of them? Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely New Jersey. She's doing a world tour with us. Wow. <laughs> I'm just at every event. I'm like, hey guys, it's me. You're like, dang, you're back. <laughs> um, definitely New Jersey, Club Loose. Um, I would love to hit up Evergreen. Haven't been there. Love okay. driving new tracks um and there's a lot of talk i'm pretty sure it's gonna happen the clutch kickers in florida Hell yeah <laughs> yeah i mean my, my boyfriend's gonna be driving there all year so doing clutch kickers so i was talking to him today actually and he was like let's go and we're probably gonna make it like a two-week trip to where we like hit up another track or two in florida oh, so that's an awesome yeah. vacation though. yeah right we'll bring yeah. all the cars um and you know have backup Car. so are you gonna be at the coach kicker events like the round yeah i'm we're, i'm planning on going to we can hire her yeah <laughs> to right. work at the booth with us i will definitely work at the booth with you i'm planning <laughs> to do the april he's not doing march doing the april or going to <laughs> scout free labor yeah i'm like i would love to i'm so tired i like signed up i'm like i'll do it i'll do it like, she's already gonna be there but really let's break it just unplug it yeah no the april one i'm pretty sure that's the goal It'll depend on if Nils gets his um, cars ready, but that's the one we're planning for right now. So, hell yeah. And then a few after that, too, and the gamblers and all the fun stuff like that. I would love to do a competition just to see how I survived, but. You should. Yeah. I mean, you should do one of the US stripped ones. Yeah. Yeah. Do they take caged cars Uh, in the street legal or whatever? I think if you have interior. Okay. And I kept a yeah. pretty full interior, which yeah. I kept. I have most interior. I've car. I have carpet and a dash. So. I would do one of those. Yeah. Hell yeah. I, that's why I said like I need to get better at chasing because I'm pretty confident on like the lead run being mm-hmm. decent, but it's the chasing and like the coolest moment of my entire life was when I got to chase Brian 
at the Jeff Kitchen event and was scarily close. I surprised <laughs> myself. <laughs> Who'd you choose? It was Brian. Brian Hop, right? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Hop. Yeah, oh, well, I did hear about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has um a VQ. So Oh, so you guys were twinning out And there. he like was like super awesome to follow because he slowed down for me. Oh. You know, he'd be like banging his door, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And <laughs> I remember like going on the entry, like entries will always be my worst from the actual time that I crashed at my first ECB. I smashed into barriers and ruined half my car. Oh. Um, so ever since then, my entries, I've always just, I'm so scared. Um, but I remember looking down at my rev limiter and I was like, I've never gone this fast before. But because I was following him, I was like, well, it's, we can't do anything now. I just have to do what he does. And <laughs> it was my best lap ever. And I got so close to him that I like strained out because I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but it was so fun. It was so rad. Definition of scared straight, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, quite literally. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. It was like on the hairpin front track. And I was like, whoa, because you tighten up right there. And I was like, oh my God. Your butthole tightens up right there. <laughs> <laughs> not, not much gets me that excited, like in drifting to where I'm like yelling to myself in the car, but like driving back to grid after that, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like texting him and I was like, I just tandemed. It was so exciting. I club loose. I've tandem a lot before, but at Club Loose, it's like a different, a whole different thing, and it was fucking awesome. They're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That was good. Thank you, Abby. Thank You're you, welcome. Abby, for joining us. Would you like to drop your Instagram handle in case anybody had questions? Or Yeah, it's just Abby Latrenta. So, like, A-B-B-Y. And my last name. There you go. Um, yeah, I was gonna say thank you so much for giving us some insight on stuff that I didn't know at all. I never really looked into it. So yeah, and for driving all the way down here. Yeah. Hey guys, I want to take a minute to introduce you to our podcast sponsor, Swivel Mount. Swivel Mount is a camera mount that swivels. It's made specifically for drifting. Why waste time bothering track workers to set up your GoPro mount? You can have one you don't have to worry about. You can place it on or off any car in seconds, making it easy to get great footage. Swivel mount uses magnets to stay on your vehicle. Your GoPro won't fall off into the guy or girl tandeming behind you. I know for me personally, I like seeing how I progress over the events. Getting a chance to see the swivel mount footage is a way to study all of my runs. Swivel mount helps capture sick footage and you can get a custom colored flag to match your whole aesthetic. Go to www.theswivelmount.com and use code DK10 to get 10% off anything on their website. What do we have this week for Whitmore's Weekly Wisdom? (laughs) Um, My Whitmore Weekly Wisdom this week is to be kind to people. One small gesture could be what changes their whole day around. Nice. Yeah, I feel like I had, Very to, appropriate. I had to say that like five times, so it probably sounded a little monotone. No, <laughs> fifth you time around. It. You <laughs> it. All right, ladies. Uh, by the time you guys seen this, uh, the schedule's been out for a week, uh, roughly. So yeah. that's exciting. You guys are all over the place. Woot! I can see the excitement in your faces. <laughs> the scared. We're just scared. Yeah. yeah, we're just already tired. We have so much to do. <laughs> like, with so much to do. <laughs> the t-shirts. The hat. Everything. 
everything. I know. <laughs> the stick is. The stick is. <laughs> but at least we'll be there. You'll be there. We will. All right, guys. We will see you next Tuesday. <laughs> Thank you guys again for tuning in and listening to us ramble. Definitely check out the next episode. Appreciate all your support. Don't forget to follow Drift Kitchen on Instagram and to check out their big cartel site and pick up some merch. Thanks again, guys.